of that uh, chapter, which begins in verse 10 and goes down through verse 22. And I would ask you that you would stand as we read uh, the word of the Lord together. Proverbs chapter 15, beginning in verse 10. It's very important just to say before we begin that Proverbs is, is wisdom literature. Okay, that's very, very important as you work your way through it to understand that this is wisdom literature. Okay, so beginning in verse 10, it says, Grievous punishment is for him who forsakes the way. He who hates reproof will die. Sheol and Abaddon lie open before the Lord. How much more the hearts of men. A scoffer does not love one who reproves him. He will not go to the wise. A joyful heart makes a cheerful face. But when the heart is sad, the spirit is broken. The mind of the intelligent seeks knowledge. But the mouth of fools feeds on folly. All the days of the afflicted are bad, but a cheerful heart has a continual feast. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and turmoil with it. You'll really like this one. Better is a dish of vegetables where love is than a fat, fattened ox served with hatred. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but the slow to anger calms a dispute. The way of the lazy is as a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a highway. A wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish man despises his mother. Folly is joy to him who lacks sense, but a man of understanding walks straight. Without consultation, plans are frustrated, but with many counselors, they succeed. May the Lord um, use this part of Scripture to help us to seek out the wisdom that we need to live for His glory. All right, let's pray uh, together. This morning, Father, we come to worship the one and only God. I pray that we've come prepared to worship this morning, that we've taken that necessary time to confess the sin that easily uh, comes into our life. That our hearts are clean and pure before you. You desire to use clean vessels. So I pray that that's where we are this morning. For those this morning that might be without the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray for salvation. I pray that today there may be some that come to know the Lord Jesus as their Savior. And I pray as we sing and as we listen to your word this morning, we might be encouraged as we walk out to, for those of us who know you, to live the Christian life uh, for your honor and for your glory. And all these things I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, good morning. I, I, I keyed in on one thing in that verse, uh, that passage of Scripture was having a cheerful heart. I hope you have a cheerful heart this morning, do you? If, if, uh, you don't sound like it, but, uh, but uh, as a matter of fact, you don't much look like it. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, but hey, who the Lord is and what he has done in our life, 
the fact that he came and he died for each and every one of us. What a, what a wonderful Savior we've come to honor today. And that's what I want us to sing about, that wonderful love of the Lord. So let's sing together. Uh, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus. Let's sing together. Sing out. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unto For me it was in the garden, for me it was in the garden. He prayed not my will but mine. Had no tears for his own griefs, but sweat drops of blood for mine. Sing it, how marvelous, how marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. Took my sins and my sorrows, he made them his very own. He bore the burdens of Calvary and suffered and died alone. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my songs i 
how he loves you. Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves me. this morning. So I say, is that why you're here? Because he loves us so much. Thank you. You may be seated. I'd like to share a few verses of scripture with you as we go in, as we continue in our, our time of worship together as we sing. In Philippians 2, 9 through 11, it says this, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And also having the book of Acts where Paul or, or, uh, yeah, or Luke tells us this in uh, it tells us about Jesus. It says, and, uh, excuse me, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Isn't that wonderful? We talk about marvelous and wonderful. That is wonderful that there is no other name. We don't have to guess which way we have to go. We don't have to guess what we have to do. We just know that the name of Jesus from that provides us salvation. There's no, no other name under the, of heaven. We also have in Romans 10, 13, Paul did say this, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. In John 10, 28, this is wonderful because he says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. What a loving, marvelous, wonderful God we serve. Amen? Because of that right there. That once you come to know him, no one is going to ever snatch, snatch you out of, out, of, out of his hand. I want, you to, I want us to sing a song together. Y'all have never sung this with us, but you might have sung it listening to tapes or, or, or not tapes, <laughs> CDs or whatever. We don't listen to tapes anymore, do we? Um, but anyway, I want you to sing along with the choir. I'll stand choir. Uh, Sing with us on this one. Talks about how Christ will hold us and how He c continues to hold us. He will hold me fast. Y'all sing with us, please. When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path. For my love is often cold, he must hold me. hold me fast he will hold me fast for my 
choir is not going to sing uh, a song about that, about the name of Jesus. A very popular song nowadays, and so many of you know this, so I want you to sing along with us. We need a little help. We're missing a lot of people today, and uh, we need your help on this. But I speak Jesus, and let's listen to the words and sing the words as we sing this together.
One theologian said of heaven, it is an unknown region with a well-known inhabitant. Will you be in heaven? When I was a child, a young teenager, and even past that, we would sing a hymn that I really loved when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we will sing and shout the victory. There's an assumption in that hymn when we all, who is all? Is it you? Do you know without a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be in the presence of the Lord Jesus? It's a question that I probably do not ask enough. I've been reminded over the last few weeks that sometimes there is assumption on the part of pastors and teachers that the folks who show up on a Sunday morning and sit, sit in a congregation have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's not a good assumption. Many attend church on a Sunday, but how many have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Dr. Stephen Olford, who I had the privilege of sitting under, who Billy Graham referred to, as the man who made the biggest influence on his life said this to me one time when I was sitting in his office. He said, Thad, don't assume heaven for all who attend your church each week. And I can say to you that there have probably been times where I have assumed heaven for everyone who sits in this building, and that's not a good assumption. I don't assume that everyone that belongs or everyone who's in this congregation belongs to the Lord. I think it's important that all of us, whether saved or not, consider our own salvation. Consider that day when we came to faith in Christ. It was amazing to hear all the songs that Ron had picked out for today because we don't ever communicate about the message or what we're doing except when we have the Lord's Supper like we're doing next week or baptism, things like that. I'm always amazed at how the Lord just puts things together so when we began to sing the songs this morning, I was like, Lord, you have me in the right spot. Will you be in heaven? You know, there will be many that are in hell. The Bible tells us that the road is wide that leads to destruction. Many are on that road. And yet there are few that are on the road to heaven. And I don't know how much that bothers us. It should. Every time I stand in front of a congregation of people at a funeral, I always wonder how many folks in there can even hear what I'm saying. 
unless the Lord comes before you die, you will have a funeral. (laughs) What will be said of you at your funeral? Will it be she accomplished this or he accomplished that or she had this or he had that or they had this many children and these many grandchildren and all that's wonderful, but if there's nothing but what's here said at a funeral, that's sad to me. For the believer, a funeral should be a celebration. Yes, we grieve. The Bible tells us we do, but Paul says we don't grieve as those without hope. We grieve with hope. And that hope is a confidence. It's a certainty that when I close my eyes in death, immediately I'm with my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ, just as the Word of God says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And I've had people ask me, Thad, what does that look like? And I say, I don't know. (laughs) But I like that promise. How about you? I'm afraid our church culture today is far too concerned about things that are going on in this culture more than they are about the souls of men. I don't say that as a personal indictment toward us or toward the church itself. I say it because it's very important that we understand that the enemy over the last few years may have been distracting the church from the most important thing, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be nice if you were told personally by the Lord Jesus... One day you will be with me. Wouldn't it be nice to hear those words? Well, we have them in the Bible. I want you to take your Bibles this morning and go to a familiar passage, but I don't want you to go there thinking, oh, I've heard this before. I want you to go there with an open mind and heart as to what the Lord is doing. And I want you to turn your Bibles to John's Gospel in the 14th chapter. Chapters 14 through 17, many theologians refer to as the upper room discourse. If you're waiting for PowerPoint, you'll be waiting till some other day. So you need to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 14. But chapters 14 through 17 are called by many theologians the upper room discourse and is where Jesus is talking to those that belong to him that are already believers. In fact, we know at this point that Judas has left the upper room and so this discourse that we have in chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17 are to those who belong to him. So in one sense, chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17 are for us to hear. In fact, did you know that in chapter 17, which is referred to by some as the Lord's Prayer, which is the Lord's Prayer, he prays for you and for me. Did you know that? He prays for all of those who would believe as a result of the spread of the gospel of Christ. 
So that's pretty awesome to think about that even in the upper room, you were on the mind of the Lord if you belong to Him. If that doesn't wow you, I'm not sure what will. There's a lot going on in the beginning of chapter 14. In fact, in chapter 14, verse 1, it tells us that there, was, there were troubled hearts in the upper room. At least one troubled heart. You say, well, why the trouble? The word trouble there is the word agitated. There was agitation. It literally means to shake up. <laughs> Have you ever taken a drink and, you know, like a Coke or something and shook it up and watched it explode? Isn't that a whole lot of fun to do? Especially if you're giving it to someone after you have taken the time to shake it up and you hand it to them and unbeknownst to them, that drink is agitated. It's about to explode. Well, there was agitation in the upper room and there was at least agitation on the part of one. It's very interesting. Well... Talk about that in a moment. I don't know that all the hearts were troubled, but there was at least one troubled heart, and that was Peter. But there were other things that took place in the upper room that would have troubled the hearts of all of the disciples. Judas' departure, would that not have troubled the other disciples? I believe it would. They spent a lot of time with this individual, And we know what the outcome was because the Bible tells us that he left them in verse 30. And then it says the Son of Man was glorified. So certainly there was trouble on the part of the disciples because of the departure of Judas. There was also trouble based on the announcement. You say, what announcement? Look at verse 33. Of chapter 13, he says, Little children, I am with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, now I also say to you, Where I am going, you cannot come. Now we have to understand, this is not just Jesus with them for the first time. This is at the end of his life, another 48 hours, and here comes the crucifixion. This is a group of men who have given their lives and devoted themselves to following the Lord Jesus. I'm not quite sure how that would hit all of us. I kind of think we would react a little bit like the one who was the spokesman of the group, whose name was Peter. But certainly, the announcement would bring about agitation. It would definitely shake up the... Disciples, and the Bible tells us it at least shook up one of them. Somebody needs to answer their phone. Your phone is shaking, it's agitated. Someone is calling you. The Bible says to us in verse 34 a new commandment I give to you that you love one another, even as I have loved you, and that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples plural, if you have love for one another. So the Lord had just given them a new commandment. Where was Peter's mind? Wasn't on the new commandment, let me tell you that. His mind was on what the Lord had just 
spoken before that, I'm with you a little while longer. Because Simon Peter says to the Lord, verse 36, where are you going? It's a good question, isn't it? We, we tend to criticize these poor little Bible characters so much. But if you were one of those ones who had spent the last three years with the Lord Jesus, and then all of a sudden he says, I am with you a little while longer, that would agitate or trouble your heart. Although he had told them that the Son of Man would die and rise again, I mean, it's obvious these guys didn't understand completely. But what they did understand was the presence of the Lord Jesus. And the Bible tells us, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered, where I go, you cannot follow me now. Now, if that would have ended there, that would have been pretty troubling. But isn't the Lord so gracious? He says... To him, where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. You talk about security, there it is. You say, yeah, Thad, but we know the rest of the story with Peter, and we do, don't we? But what do we also know about our Lord as it relates to us that belong to him? He forgives. We have to be very careful, and I say this to you with all the love that I know, that we're not so critical of these guys that we don't look at our own lives and see where we fall short. And we come to the point of hopefully understanding the grace and forgiveness of the Lord because we all fall short. We all fail in our lives as Christians. But the Lord tells Peter, you'll follow later. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? Well, that's a good question. Peter wants to be with the Lord. You say, well, how do you know that, Dad? Do you remember when the Lord Jesus comes to them on the water? What does Peter do? When the Lord says, come, he does what? He gets out of the boat and he walks in the water. Wow. Peter loved to be with the Lord. If there's one takeaway from the life of Peter, he loved to be with the Lord. Is it a good question to ask, do we love to be with the Lord? Is that a good question? You say, Thad, he's not right here. Yeah, but he lives in me, and he's given me his word whereby I might know him better. So maybe it is a good question. Peter loved to be with the Lord. He says, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. And because we know the end of the story, we go, oh, what a terrible statement. I believe Peter made that statement 100% convinced of what he said. How many, in centuries since, Peter and those apostles 
said, I will lay down my life for you. And what would Peter come to find out? That indeed he would give his life for the Lord. I wonder what went through Peter's mind as he was being crucified upside down for the Lord. I think we have a lot to learn about these guys. A lot of lessons there they're just for us to consider. Because we don't know what's around the corner. We don't know what type of punishment there might be in our culture for the sake of the gospel. We read about it with people around the world and these underground churches that are in China and North Korea. And we go, wow, these people are, you know, I don't it is amazing. And we really have it good. Because we're free to come and go and come and go. And, and are we thankful for that? Because you know what? The Lord may require your life or mine. It may happen. I did not get the memo that says, Thad, you will die in this way. And I don't know that you have gotten that memo either. Here's the reality. We don't know, but we know this. When we look around the culture and around the world, Christianity is being attacked at all levels. And for someone to say that Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father is offensive. But oh well. Right? Are you good with that? Are you good with it's only Jesus hope you are. What does Jesus say to Peter who makes the statement, I will lay down my life for you? Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. That'd be like taking a knife and just putting it in his gut. Because Peter's desire was what? To not only follow the Lord, but hey, I'll lay down my life for you. The Lord says, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. We have to be careful when we are so critical of these men that we don't think about times when we've denied the Lord. See, that I've never denied the Lord. Has there ever been a time where you have not spoken up for the Lord when you should have? Let me put both of my hands up. I've had so many people that I have seen over 35 years in so many homes and so many situations. I wouldn't even know how to summarize it. But one of the things that the Lord has done over the 35 years is said that I'm going to give you an opportunity to speak for me. And by the grace of God, I've done that. Have I done it every time? No. In fact, I've walked out of homes before so aggravated at myself. I don't call myself a goober too much. Teresa does that. She calls me a goober sometimes. But I'm like, Lord, you opened the door and I didn't open my mouth. You ever done that? Lord, you opened the door, I didn't open my mouth. Hey, look, I'm not proposing that we beat up on each other about it. 
But what I am proposing is that we consider the lessons learned when we don't open our mouth. I don't have the gift of evangelism. I don't. But I want people to come to Christ. And I sit in living rooms and kitchens and there's times I've heard people talk about everything but relationship with Christ and it really hurts my heart. Because at the end of your life and at the end of my life, what matters is that I belong to Christ. And if I do your funeral and you belong to Christ, we're going to have a celebration. Well, it's clear from verse 1 of chapter 14 that at least Peter is troubled. You know what's interesting is that pronoun you're there is singular. <laughs> so it's like one of those things, oh, I thought all their hearts were troubled. Well, I think all of their hearts probably were troubled, but maybe not the same way that Peter's was. Peter's heart was troubled. And so what does the Lord do? He meets their need. Number one, he meets their need. What was the need of the moment for Peter and for those other disciples? At least Peter's heart was troubled. But I assume that the others may have been as well. Well, how in the world does the Lord fix troubled hearts? Well, he fixes the situation exactly the way I want it to be. Isn't that how the Lord does it? It's not how the Lord does it. In fact, if we could, we would take a lot of things out of our lives that are trouble, would we not? How many of you have had troubled times in your life? And how many of you have asked the Lord, please take away the trouble? And how many times have you noticed that the trouble doesn't go away? Your kids are still in your home. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but the trouble doesn't go away. And, and, and you're like, Lord, hold on a second. You remember the Apostle Paul wanted the thorn in the flesh to go away. And what does the Lord tell him? My grace is sufficient for you. How many of you find, have found the grace of God to be sufficient in times of trouble? It is. Well, the greatest need that the disciples had, Peter and the others, was to hear what the Lord said to them. Notice chapter 14, verse 1. He says, Do not let your heart be troubled. In the original, it reads, the heart of any one of you. <laughs> Don't let the heart of any one of you be troubled. Well, he wouldn't want his disciples to be troubled, would he? No, he wouldn't. So how in the world do you fix it? He tells them. He tells them. You know what I love about studying the Bible? A lot of the answers are right in front of you. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. And then he gives them what they need. 
This is the message they needed to hear. Believe in God. Believe also in me. That's it. That's it. That's enough. Believe. Trust in me. It's the same wisdom that Solomon hands down. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. This is it right here. Lean not on your own understanding. In other words, get out of the way. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll do what? He'll direct your paths. Trust me. Trust me during COVID. Trust me during the times of rebellion. Trust me that no matter who's sitting in Washington, D.C. in the Oval Office, I got it. Trust me. Trust me when I say, I put rulers on thrones and I take them off. Trust me. So when the push comes to shove, how much do we really have to worry about? Nothing. That's why Paul wrote what he did. Be anxious for what? Nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God and the peace of God, the same peace that the Lord Jesus would talk about with his disciples in the upper room. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ. Believe. These guys already had a relationship. But when one doesn't believe daily or in the moment, it interrupts that fellowship. You remember that word from 1 John, don't you? Believe in God. Believe also in me. What he already told them, I and the Father are one. Believe in God. Believe also in me. So their need was for belief. Guys, listen to me. We go through troubles, and we go through trials, and we go through tribulations. We have a lot of labels, a lot of things that we go through in this life as a Christian. There are people that go through hardship and physical illness. There are people that go through emotional hardship, right? There are people that go through difficult times in their family. Well, what's the answer? Believe. You know, some people would say, that's just too simple. But that's the answer. You know what I love about the Lord? One of the things I just really, really love. And of course, he's going to sit down with me and say, say, Thad, you just talked way too much. You know, one of the things I love about the Lord is his messages are short and simple and to the point. Have you ever looked at the message when... He's walking on water. He gives a short message to his disciples. You don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read it to you. So he's walking on the water. They think it's a ghost. Rightly so, right? I mean, how many times have you seen that? Immediately, Jesus spoke to them. He gives them a sermon. Except his sermon's a whole lot shorter than most of the pastors and teachers I know, including myself, take courage, it is I, I am, he says. Take courage, I am. 
do not be afraid. That's a pretty short sermon. Any results? Yep. Peter said to them, Lord, since it is you. Your translation might have if, but it's since. Since it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He is responding to the message. Jesus says, come. And you know what he did? He got out of the boat and he went on the water and he's been criticized ever since by pastors and teachers all over the place because he looked at what was going on and all, by the way, he wasn't on, walking on docile, you know, it was not calm. There were waves. He's walking on this water and, and just like we do, he looks at the circumstances and he begins to sink. And by the way, when the Lord speaks to him, he doesn't say, hey, Peter, you don't have any faith. He says, little faith. Belief. Belief. The Lord desires us to believe. That is the answer. It's the issue that the Lord Jesus deals with even back in the story there when he walks on water. Guys, we go through struggles and trials and the answer is belief. So he gave them what they needed, but he also gave them some icing on top of the cake. That's the way I like to look at it. He didn't just give them the cake. He gave them the frosting and all those little things that go on the cake. And he's like, hey, let me tell you something else. Let me tell you about your home. And that's why I asked you in the beginning. You know, the disciples are going to be with the Lord. Are you going to be with the Lord? He said to them, in talking about their home, notice verse 2, he says, In my Father's house are many dwelling places. The picture there is of an individual dwelling place. There are many dwelling places, he says. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. That word prepare means I'm going to get it ready for you. Man. Is the Lord preparing a place for you? Does one of these dwelling places have your name on it? Because the Lord Jesus tells his disciples here in the upper room, in my Father's house are many dwelling places, and I'm going, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Now I want you to notice something, that while the Lord Jesus tells them about the dwelling place, it's more than about the dwelling place. You know, you have a lot of people that write about heaven, and there is a lot in Scripture that we have about heaven, not as much as we have about hell, interestingly enough. But we have a pretty good amount. If you read through the book of Revelation, you see a lot of discussion about heaven. But it's interesting to me that the focus is not on the dwelling place itself, but it's on the Lord. Notice what it says at the end of verse 2. He says... If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if and since is the meaning there. Since I go and prepare a place for you, 
And that's, by the way, all 11 of those guys. Since I go and prepare a place for each and every one of you, I will come again and receive you to heaven. Is that what he says? It's not what he says. That sounds like a pretty good deal, right? I'm going to receive you to heaven. Nobody's balking at that. But this is what the Lord Jesus tells them. If I go and prepare a place for you, since I am doing that, I will come again and receive you to myself. One of the things that I love about my Lord is he's personal. He wants that fellowship with you and me. Isn't that nice? That he wants to spend an eternity with us? Like that, we don't deserve that. You're right, we don't. It's called grace. We're saved by grace. We live by grace. We'll be taken to heaven by grace. I love what he says to them in this moment of agitation. Hey, trust me, but I've got something for you, he says, a place for you, and I'm going to come again, and I'm going to receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. What do you think of that? response to the agitation or trouble that the disciples were feeling in that upper room? There couldn't have been a better response. You know what he tells them? Hey, while you're living life, trust me. And when you die, you know what? You've got a place. And when I come for you, I'm going to receive you to myself. You say, that that somewhat sounds like the rapture. That's exactly what it sounds like. In fact, do you know that the Apostle Paul wrote about that? And it's one of my favorite passages in the New Testament. Because it's written to a group of people who are questioning, hey, what's going on with those people who have died? Just listen to these words. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, those who are dead so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. And the rest there are unbelievers. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. Paul's not talking about his authority. He's saying by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, Paul thought that would be him. We think it's going to be us, don't we? Sure we do. I hope you're living with the view to the rapture. I sure am. I like that idea. You like that idea? For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. You know what? I've done lots of funerals. Unbelievers. There's a whole lots of folks buried in Montevallo, that cemetery there. There's a whole lots of folks buried over here at Jefferson Memorial. And the one that you can see from the interstate, I don't know the name of it, but it's kind of like you're going toward the airport. Woo! Man, it's going to be incredible. 
The dead in Christ are going to rise first. The disciples are going to rise first. My mom's going to rise first. My grandparents are going to rise first. John and Mary Talanis are going to rise first. We can just keep naming them. Right? We know who they are. And then the Bible tells us that we who are alive and remain, look what it says, will not precede those who have fallen asleep, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, us, we like that, we're at least going to use that this morning. Right? We who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them. Who are them? All those who know the Lord. Wow, what a scene that's going to be. Jokingly, I said at the beginning of the service, we could talk about partial rapture today because so many of our folks are camping or going to the beach, whatever it is they do. But do you know what? If the Lord came back right now, those ones at the beach... After the dead are raised, they're going up. The ones are camping, going up. And you and I are going up. But there's a requirement. You have to know him. You don't just go up. It's not your parents' faith. It's not your brother's or your sister's faith. It's not your mom's, your dad's. It's got to be yours. And it's certainly not about what you've put in an offering plate. And it's certainly not about all the good works that you've done. It's not about any of that. It's about a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you said yes? Have you trusted in what God's Son has done for you on the cross at Calvary? Have you done that? Could it be that there are some in this room that need to think about that today? But listen to this similar language. Imagine that. Similar language to what the Lord Jesus said. Paul said this. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord. Oh, that sure sounds like a lot of what Jesus says to his disciples. Because it is. He said, I'm going to receive you to myself. Guys, listen to me. We're going to be brought to the one who died for us. We're going to receive glorified bodies. And the only, ones who, the only one who will bear scars in heaven is the Lord Jesus. It'll be a reminder to us, hey, salvation wasn't free. It cost the Lord his life. And we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Well, I don't know how that hits you today. To be honest with you, I was just following the leading of the Lord. That's the only thing I know to tell you. I will bring some comfort to those of you who are wondering if we're ever going to get in a book. 
We will. There are a lot of interruptions between now and October 15th. Um, So, with the help of the Lord, the plan is to start a book October the 15th. But in the meantime, I'm trusting the Lord for individual messages. You know what? That's what I'm going to continue to do. And you know one of the things you can count on? Every week we're going to open the Bible. You ever had anyone ask you, how do you get to heaven? Well, this is the way we'll close, verses 4 through 6. After Jesus says, I'm going to come and receive you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. Verse 4 says, and you know the way where I'm going. Well, Thomas asked a question. Well, in the moment, it's a good question. You say, what have they learned? They had, apparently hadn't learned a whole lot. They're slow learners. No different than you and me. I'm a slow learner. You a slow learner? We're all slow learners. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. Listen to this, guys. Jesus is the way because he is the truth and the life. Let me say that again. Jesus is the way because he is the truth And is the life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father but through me. What would be the message that the Lord would give to his disciples? You're going to go be my martyrs. What was the message of the disciples? Jesus is the way. That message hadn't changed. 2023, it's the same message. You know the way the world responds to it? This is such an exclusive statement. Yes, it is. It is. Because there aren't many ways. There's just one way. But you know what's amazing about the one way? I don't have to work for it. I don't have to buy it. Right? That one way has been provided to the Father through Jesus Christ. I don't have to do a thing. But trust in what Jesus did for me on the cross at Calvary and stretching out his arms and in dying for my sins. I don't know how to tell you how I wrestled with this all week. I have no words But I'm very confident this is what the Lord wanted me to share with you. Because as I was thinking about some conversations I had had with Dr. Olford, that one just came to mind. That don't assume that everyone who attends the church every week belongs to the Lord Jesus. I hope you do. That song that we sang when we were children.
You know, last week we sang the song, We Will Dance at the End of the... But this week, it's the song, When We All Get to Heaven. And it goes, sing the wondrous love of Jesus, sing his mercy and his grace. In the mansions, bright and blessed, he'll prepare for us a place. While we walk the pilgrim pathway, clouds will overspread the sky. But when traveling days are over, not a shadow, not a sigh. Let us then be true and faithful, trusting, serving every day. Just one glimpse of him in glory will the toils of life repay. Onward to the prize before us, soon as beauty will behold. Soon the pearly gates will open and we shall tread the streets of gold. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and we'll shout the victory. Let's pray together. Lord, in this audience, I don't assume that everyone belongs to you. But my prayer is that they might. My prayer is that if there's any one person in this room that does not know the Lord Jesus as their personal Savior, that today they would come to understand, just like the Bible says, that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and he was raised the third day according to the scriptures and he was seen by over 500 witnesses many who saw the resurrected Christ Lord, I just pray your spirit would work in the hearts of men and women and boys and girls in this room today. And Father, I pray that our focus over the rest of this year would not be on the things that don't last, but the things that do. And that when we see men and women and boys and girls that eternity would come to our mind and that opportunity would come to our mind and that we would take the opportunity to share about the greatest news of all, Jesus died for you. He died for your sins. He was buried. He rose again and if you will trust in him as your savior, you can have everlasting life. I pray we wouldn't make it more complex than that, but that we would simply share what we've been given from your word. I pray that, Father, you would help us during this week as we live to see those opportunities around us and to seize those opportunities that we might share the love of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And it's in his name I pray all of these things.
Amen. I wanted to prepare you for next Sunday. We will be having the Lord's Supper. I'll send you a reminder of that time uh, later in the week. You should get something that reminds you of that. I like to do that because it kind of gives you some time to prepare before Sunday. And also wanted to make just a brief announcement. On the 17th, we'll have baptism. And we have a few that will be baptized uh, that morning. And it's not too late if your desire is to be baptized. You belong to the Lord and you understand the command to be baptized and you'd like to do that. I'd love to meet with you and sit down and talk with you. I've already done that with a few so far. And so I look forward to that day. What a great testimony it will be uh, to our Lord of what he has done in the lives of some of our people. All right. So um, it's great to see you. And make sure you speak to someone as you leave uh, this sanctuary this morning and you are dismissed.